Uber is finally going public, 10 years after beginning as a black luxury car company in San Francisco. Some analysts expect its market debut to be one of the highest tech listings we'll see in 2019. But the ride hasn't been easy, and it's not through all the road bumps yet. This is TikTok. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. On the podcast with me today is Bloomberg News startup reporter Eric Newcomer, who also covers Uber. Hi, Eric. How's it going? Great. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us. I mean, I first off want to start with this. Uh, did you ever think this day would come? I mean, I feel like we've been talking about Uber now for a decade, but uh, how long have you been waiting for this, this IPO to actually uh, come to life? Well, there was a long period where investors seemed to be pleading with the former CEO, Travis Kalanick, to move the company towards a public offering. He didn't have chief operating officer or chief financial officer. And then, you know, he was pushed out in 2017. So it's amazing that it went from no CEO and no top leaders to having, you know, Dara Khosr Shahi, the former Expedia CEO, an experienced CFO and COO, and now to be so close to publicly trading. Yeah, and and you mentioned Dara. I mean, now that the company's been under new leadership for uh, about two years, what sort of impact has that had on Uber from your perspective? You know, in terms of relationships with uh, governments and the public, I think it's dramatically improved. Certainly the perception of Uber, you know, (laughs) besides the driver protest yesterday, is much better than it's been. Uh, So that's, that's a big improvement. And I think he's focused the vision on sort of being this platform, not just for ride sharing, but for food delivery and then scooters. So he's he's helped sort of broaden the vision. So he's been a stabilizing force for the company. And do you feel like this IPO uh, is, is perfectly timed as the company is still trying to expand? You know, there's no perfect timing. I think the markets have been challenged. So if you're somebody who follows uh, stocks super closely. It's not perfect, but uh, you know it's still. We've been on this great uh, bull run. The government shutdown earlier this year <laughs> sort of even tightened the window, and then Uber's just had this strong desire to get out in the first half. So all things considered, it's as good a time as any. Uh, they've still got some growth, but I mean there are obviously huge questions still about the business. So it's going to be a very divisive stock. Right. Earlier today, we saw Lyft drop. I mean, do you think Uber is sort of watching what has happened to Lyft this year since they went public? And is there anything that they can learn from that? Well, I think there's sort of a dangerous feedback loop between Lyft's valuation and Uber's because, you know, we and others reported that Uber was moving down its price range, which would lower its valuation. And then you see Lyft stock price fall. So there are investors sort of trying to come up with a ratio that the two companies should keep. And so when one goes down, sometimes it can be bad for the other one. So it's sort of an interesting phenomenon on that front. But, you know, there are also competitors. And I think Lyft in its latest quarterly earnings showed that it's able to beat analyst expectations on revenue, which that is bad for Uber because, you know, Lyft is gaining ground in or trying to gain ground against Uber, uh, and both are spending aggressively. But Uber's still in more markets than Lyft, right? Oh, right. Uber is a global company with different business lines. Lyft is a mostly U.S. business with a slight uh, 
foothold in the in Canada, but vast majority of its business is in the United States, and it's a ride-hailing business, where Uber has a global food delivery business, uh, global ride-hailing operations, and where it's left places like China, Southeast Asia, and Russia, it has significant stakes and operations there. So if you're an investor, there's a lot more security in investing in Uber just because you have sort of this global bet across a couple of different ideas, and it's not just U.S. ride-hailing. So when Uber does go public, who in your mind is is benefiting the most from this? Like, is, is Travis Kalanick, you know, is his net worth going to spike up after this? Or, you know, is it going to mostly go to Dara? I'm, I'm just curious what you, what you well, think. Well, I mean, one way to think about it is, you know, who are the biggest shareholders here? So that's SoftBank, uh, number one, Benchmark, the venture capital firm, number two, Travis Kalanick, number three, and co-founder Garrett Camp, number four. Dara Khazar Shahi is nowhere on that list. You know, he's going to make, he was paid $45 million last year, so he's making plenty of money, but he's, he's not okay. the billionaire, you know, many times over that Travis Kalanick and Garrett Camp are going to be because of this IPO. So, you know, in terms of his reputation, he's doing a good job, and he'll certainly be judged for how this IPO goes, but, you know, it's the original co-founders and the original investor in Benchmark and then SoftBank, which had the guts to cut a huge check when Uber was on the ropes that are going to, you know, own the most of this company and stand to benefit as it continues to rise. You know, some people who, though, are not maybe not going to see their net worth go up are maybe some of the drivers. And I thought it was pretty interesting watching them on Wednesday timing their protests with this IPO. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, it's certainly savvy timing for drivers to protest ahead of the IPO. And it's such a striking contrast to look at sort of look at how these drivers get paid and compare it to the fortunes that the co-founders of Uber are going to reap in this IPO. And just how many of the same objections drivers have had for years about the company persist, which is, you know, they're independent contractors. They don't have much control or recourse if Uber blocks them from the platform. There's a constant tug of war between Uber and its drivers over what percentage of the fare they get. So, you know, there are all these questions and that unrest you know, has business implications for Uber. Uber says in its S1 that basically as it tries to cut down on driver bonuses, it's likely going to make drivers even more frustrated. So quote-unquote rationalizing its business is going to hurt its relationship with drivers, meaning more churn. So that's, that's a real problem for Uber. And then there's also just the moral question of how it treats its drivers. Do you think the company is taking that seriously? Do you think they were watching on Wednesday and trying to figure out how to help these drivers out? Yeah, I mean, I think the people inside Uber, you know, are are good and would like to help the drivers to the extent they can. Uh, The problem is Uber lost $3 billion in operating losses last year, $10 billion over the last three years. So this is a company desperate to find ways to make money. Obviously, most of the fare still does go to the drivers. So in Uber's point of view, you know, making money often involves taking money from drivers. And so that's the challenge. And so both Uber and Lyft have tried to find ways to help drivers in other ways, you know, like help them maybe save money or get them discounts on gas or help them repair their vehicle. You know, those are often the types of ideas these companies are thinking about to avoid the problem that what the drivers really want, of course, is just to get paid more. Do you think that worries investors? You know, I, I, they're, 
There are all sorts of investors. You know, I think there's no consensus on what investors think. I think you'll get a set like SoftBank, which are very focused on autonomous vehicles and see this all as sort of a pathway to autonomous vehicles. I think there are other ones that are total cynics about self-driving cars and still think ride-sharing itself is changing the world. So they're obviously going to worry about where the relationship is with drivers, how much they get paid. Uh, and then, of course, there are people who are going to short this stock and just think the whole system doesn't work. Uber is paying drivers more than it can afford. They pay them less, drivers will stop working. And that's what makes sort of the business unsustainable. So, you know, you ask three different people, you're going to get three different answers on how this all plays out. And that's why it's going to be an interesting stock to watch when it goes public. So then what are you going to be watching for on Friday? You know, right now it's it's the story. You know, it's, Lyft had a poorly executed IPO. They priced at 72, the stock popped, but then it's been trending downwards. We watched it uh, dip below the last private market valuation of $15.1 billion. And, you know, it's just not reassuring to investors. They want to think that the management team sort of understands what they're worth and can slowly build the stock up, making it a safe investment. And so Uber has sort of doubled the pressure now, one, just because it's the bigger company, but then also because Lyft struggled to prove that it can execute its IPO in a way that returns money to investors in the public offering. So just watching that execution is important for the financial health of the company going forward. Looking ahead, if you could look into your crystal ball for us, um, what would, come the end of 2019, what would a successful year for Uber look like? A successful year for Uber would mean keeping market share against Lyft, uh, showing that ride sharing still has plenty of room to grow, grow in developed and developing markets, show that it's hasn't reached a peak. Uh, it would show that Uber Eats can gain market share, fight off DoorDash, Postmate, publicly traded Grubhub. It would show progress in its logistics business freight, and it would keep working on self-driving cars. Notably absent from that commentary is cutting down on losses. Yeah. I think from for the time being, analysts and most investors are focused more on gaining market share, gaining ground, and less on cutting burn. And I think next year will be sort of, that will be more the focus. But for the time being, it's showing that there's plenty of growth ahead. Yeah, it's definitely an, an interesting year. And it's, it's, it's only getting started is, is yeah. what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Eric, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be watching your reporting, of course, tomorrow and going forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks as always for listening. And if you like listening to us, please head over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. You can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Lauren Z and get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok. <laughs>